good evening, everybody. You glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? All right. I may be a a little different than some uh, preachers. I like a little interaction. I really do. Uh, How many of you are saved tonight by the blood of Jesus Christ, but you're just a little backslidden? Thank you. I, I, I like to know who I'm preaching to. Amen. Uh, I pull that on my people sometimes back home. Uh, I do want you folks to know I'm I'm a pastor, like your your pastor Tommy is. I uh, have a heart for people. I just love people. Most people. <laughs> I, uh, I love my people. Yeah. Um, but I tell you, we, this is a little bit off the subject, but uh, Brother Josh read uh, that verse. Um, verse number seven says, "For God hath not given us the spirit of fear." And my goodness, I've not seen the amount of fear in the world today as I've ever, I've never seen it like this. Um, it's amazing what a little virus that uh, spreads around and I'm not belittling it. It was about, I got it. And uh, I mean, it had an impact on me um, the same way the flu did years ago. I mean, I, um, I, I don't like getting sick, uh, but I don't fear getting sick. Amen. Um, I just don't like it when I do, but uh, I've, I tell you, I've not seen the, the amount of fear, the level of fear God's not given us that spirit. That doesn't come from God, which means it comes from somewhere else. And there's only one other place I can think of, amen. Uh, But that's not the message tonight. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, Before I get to, by the way, how long do you want me to preach? Because I can go just as long as, uh, uh, is that why you start at five? Because you preach till seven, but no, I... I'm I'm mindful of the time. I um, I always try to be good to our people, and I am respectful of your time. But by your simple presence here tonight, it tells me that you folks want to be here. Amen. Uh, I know maybe some of you kids would rather be in the playground or something playing, but uh, you want to be here or you wouldn't be here. This is a Sunday night crowd. Amen. Um, for the longest time in our church, we ran more on Sunday night than we did on Sunday morning. I could not figure that out. I've um, you know, I said, well, at least you're coming on Sunday night, but, uh, that's kind of flip flop now, but, uh, but anyway, God's blessed us there at Harvest Baptist Church. Like Tommy said, we started in very close proximity, 2011. Uh, I was just a few weeks before Brother Tommy started here and, uh, but I've, I've known Brother Tommy, it's 20 something years, right? And, uh, he was, uh, he had more hair back then when I first knew him. Uh, now, I, I will say this. I'm 52 years old. Brother Tommy, how old are you? 41. So 11, 11 years difference there. Um, and so I'm older than Brother Tommy. I, I'll take that one, okay? Uh, Brother Tommy will always be younger than me, but I have more hair than him. <laughs> and uh, every time I see Brother Tommy, I, you know, God keeps a record of that thing. The very hairs of your head are numbered. Brother Tommy keeps him busy. And, uh, but I, I got a haircut yesterday, so I, I have a little bit less hair, but, uh, my hairline don't go quite that far up right there. Let's get, uh, into the scriptures here. I don't want to offend too many people, uh, like your pastor, but, uh, brother Tommy, I, I asked him a few weeks ago, you know, what, uh, anything specific you want me to preach? I know what the theme has been. How many preachers have you had in yet in this series? I'm the third. And um, I, uh, Gibson was one of them, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, so I know what the theme, the underlying theme is, the family and the home. And I tell you, our nation is in trouble. 
Um, and, you know, you can blame a number of things, but I tell you, when, when you just take a good look at the homes in our country, they're in shambles. They have been for a long time, but uh, we're certainly seeing it. And not just in the world's, you know, ranks, um, in our churches uh, also. And Brother Tommy just said it would be nice if, if maybe hear a message on just why you chose to stay. And, I, and so I, I kind of prepared this message tonight along those lines, why I chose to stay and not stray. So let's look back in the scriptures here in Second Timothy, where Brother Josh was reading. Look at verse, <laughs> verse number five says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also... Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So you see a a kind of a genealogy here. You see the grandmother who apparently was a godly woman who uh, grounded her daughter. And then you see the mother who apparently grounded her son in uh, in the scriptures. In the things of God. All right. That's that's called a heritage. In other words, uh, Paul was telling Timothy that he had an inheritance. It was, uh, you know, when we think of inheritances nowadays, we, we think of money, right? And things and stuff and families fight and fuss over that stuff. And uh, I too, I told my dad not long ago, he's he's 77, 78 years old now. Still one of the greatest soul winners that I know, and I'll, I'm going to say more about him later. But, um, but I, I've told him before, Dad, I don't know how much money you've got, but spend it. You know, I mean, it's yours. You earned it. You don't have to leave me anything. Spend it because we'll just fight over it when you're gone. You know, I'd rather him. He's he's earned it. He's, he needs to take a, take mom on a vacation occasionally. Mom and dad are both still living back in Arkansas. You may sense a little slang there, that Arkansas draw. I don't know. I've been up here long enough. Most of that's gone. But uh, but anyway, you see here this heritage, this inheritance, the spiritual inheritance that was passed down through some generations. Now, uh, if you would, if you have your Bibles open still, turn to 1 Timothy, just back a few pages, 1 Timothy chapter 1. And look down at verse number 18. Paul, again, addressing Timothy, has, he says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them, them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. And then he gives two examples of whom is Hamanaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now, I get the sense that Hamanaeus and Alexander, we won't judge their salvation, but at some point they must have been playing the game of Christianity. Uh, he said, I'm, I've delivered them unto Satan uh, to learn not to blaspheme. Don't know their situation, but I will say this in that verse 19 he said, many have put away concerning faith. They have made shipwreck of the faith. I didn't pray, did I? I'm used to someone praying before I can preach. So before I get into this message, let's bow our heads and let's, let's ask God to visit with us tonight, okay? Father, I ask you, Lord, right now, 
Lord, just to open our hearts and our ears to your word. Father, we've listened to it read. And Father, now that we have it open before us, I pray that you will help this to, to lodge in our hearts tonight, that this will strengthen our families, that, uh, Lord, you'll just speak through me tonight, that I'm just your vessel. I'm, uh, Lord, I'm just a no one just trying to do your will. So I pray that you'll speak to us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, why I chose to stay. You say, well, I'm not real sure what you mean. Let me, let me start with this illustration. I want to give you this illustration of my upbringing, if you would. I don't want to bore you, uh, but my, I've never considered my upbringing boring. It was pretty exciting. Uh, Brother Tommy's probably was too, being a pastor's son. I was a pastor's son. I told Tommy I was not going to stay put. I'm not that kind of Bear with me on that. But I was born in 1970. As some of you children are thinking, that man is ancient. 1970, wasn't that when the Civil War took place or something? Uh, uh, no, it's not that far back. But 1970, and to a set of Christian parents. My mom's name is Benda. It's a unique name. Not Brenda, it's Benda. My dad's name is Don. His middle name is Grady. We've always made fun of him. Uh, Don Grady Robinson. My dad was saved not long before, uh, too much before I was born. So I was born into a Christian family. As a matter of fact, my dad had already uh, surrendered to preach and had already pastored a church uh, when I was born. So I was born into a Christian family. As a matter of fact, he was an independent fundamental Baptist back in 1970. That's amazing, isn't it? Uh, but I grew up in that. And when I was 11 or 12 years old in 1980, in 1981 school year, they started Trinity Christian School. And so now I'm in a Christian school. So I had a Christian family, and my dad pastored a church, so I went to a, ba- a fundamental Baptist church that preached the King James Bible, amen? And, and then, uh, that, that is what you use, right? <laughs> and, and now I'm in a Christian school. That's three big things. All right, Christian family, Bible preaching church, Christian school that, that teaches the Word of God also, and so and, and the academics and all that. And as a teenager, because I started, I think fifth grade was when I started in the Christian school. Before that, I was in the public school system. Dad saw, he, he looked beyond uh, what, what we could see at the time, and he had a burden for Christian education. Now, in the 70s and 80s was when the, the Christian education movement was sort of, you know, spreading across America. Many churches started Christian schools. And by the way, I am still pro-Christian school. We homeschool just because there's not, our church isn't large enough to support a, a school right now and that type of thing. So we homeschool our children. But I was in a, an ACE, Accelerated Christian School. Dad started it, and the church started it in 1980. By 1984, they were, what do they call it, a model ACE school. In other words, ACE uh, stamped their approval on all of the methods and everything that they did within the school. It was academically right down the line. So I went to a model school, accelerated Christian education. So I had Christian parents. Um, I went to a Bible preaching church, and now I'm in a Christian school. And I ended up graduating in 1988. So you probably think that's amazing in itself. But I, um, many people did. But 
I had a good number of young guys my age. And I mean, we were a very close-knit group. We had an athletic program, and we, we played basketball together. And I mean, basketball can be a very wonderful thing, or it can just be destructive. If you don't play together as a team, it's horrible. But we, as the years went by, for five, six, seven years uh, leading up to my senior year, 1988, we were a very close-knit group of, of guys. Good guys. I mean, we had Christian homes. All of us had Christian homes. We went to a Bible-preaching church. Uh, all of us went to, to Trinity Baptist Church in Bradford, Arkansas. And we all went to a Christian school where we got the Word of God grounded in us every day. We had to memorize scriptures. We had all these things to do. We all had very similar backgrounds. We, uh, in 1986, 87, and 88, we were the Arkansas Christian School Association state basketball champs. There was only three teams, but we were the state champs <laughs> for three years in a row. And I mean, there was more teams than that, but it, we, we just, as a group of young men, we all had the same opportunity. We went soul winning together. Our church would meet on Saturdays and we would go out and we'd, we would canvas our town. I mean, there were 900 people in our town. A little bit more than, or a little bit less than here. But then we would go out to the neighboring towns and we would uh, knock on doors. And we'd go so in together. We had very similar upbringing. If I were, I get discouraged when I think about this sometimes. Not discouraged, but it breaks my heart. That today, if I were to track all of those, I'm talking about probably 17 or 18 of us that were very close back then. Two-thirds of them are not serving the Lord today in any, in any way. They're probably not even going to church, and most of them have already reared their children, and they've lost their children to the world. That, that, that doesn't make sense, Brother Tommy. I mean, they grew up in Christian homes like I did. They went to a Bible-preaching church like I did. They went to a Christian school like I did. They, got, they were grounded in the Word of God like I had. And so, how do I answer that question? Why I chose to stay and not stray when so many of those that I grew up with, Christian young men, chose to stray at some point in their life. And then you look and you see the destruction in their lives. You see their children that are out in the world. And, and it, it breaks my heart. Because I look at my children. I, Lord knows Monica and I, um, parents of nine children, we're not perfect parents. But I look at my children and then I look at the lives of those young men that I grew up. And they went out and got married and they had children and... And then when I see that their, their children have gone out into the world, and some of them, I mean, literally just the opposite of what we grew up with. Many of them now turning to homosexuality and, and just corrupt type living now. And it breaks my heart. I'm like, that wasn't the goal of the Christian school movement. Even my dad would tell you the goal was to rear up a generation of godly young people that would go out and rear godly families. 
That was the goal. But it's like that didn't happen. Not with all of them. And I understand as a pastor, you're not going to keep everybody. I'm sure, Brother Tommy, you've lost a few down through the years. I've lost a few families down through the years and things. I understand that those things are going to happen. But in answering that question, why I chose to stay and not to stray, I just jotted down a few points in the last couple of weeks as I thought of them. And so here it is tonight. Number one, why I chose to stay, first of all, is because I had godly spiritual parents who set the example. Now, I didn't just say that I had good parents. There are worldly people out there that are good parents. I've seen, I've seen godless people. I'm talking about, uh, you know, good people that raised good children, taught them how to work, taught them how to, uh, you know, be successful in life. There were good parents. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about I chose to stay because I had godly Christian parents who were consistent. They didn't just take me to church on Sunday morning. This is, this is what happens, and this is why it's important. I'm, I'm just telling you why I, one of the reasons I chose to stay, and I've got seven or eight, and I'll get through them pretty quick, is my parents. Not because, not because I feared them, and I feared what would happen if I chose to leave. That's not why. It's because you don't know how many nights I would hear my daddy praying in the other room because he believed. And I, no, no telling how many mornings I got up and I would walk in the living room and mom would be sitting there in her, her rocking chair reading her Bible. And sometimes her eyes closed, she'd be praying. And you know how many times during the night, and Tommy, you, you know this because you're a pastor's son, that I would hear dad get up, I'd hear the phone ring and dad would get up in the middle of the night and then he would leave and they realized the next morning that one of our church members may have passed away or something like that. I've seen his devotion. Here's what happens. <laughs> a lot of times in families, families will go to church. And there are parents out there that they realize the importance of keeping their kids in church. And so they try to find a good church and they take their kids there. And then they take them to church and the pastor will preach you know, against, uh, against sin Tommy, I, you preach against sin, right? I, I mean, um, I, 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 I do too. And I preach that, hey, you need to be cautious what you're watching on television. This is just basic preaching, right? I mean, you need to be cautious what you allow enter into your brain through your eyes or through your ears. You need to be careful about what music you... And so you take your kids to church and they hear preaching, they hear preaching, but then you go home... And the kids are allowed to watch whatever they want on television. They're allowed to play whatever games are out there that are rated mature. Uh, they're able to listen to whatever music they want to listen to. And so they come to church and they hear what's wrong, but then they leave and they go back and, and well, well, mom and dad don't seem to care. What does that do to a, a young person? I didn't have that. When I went to church and I heard the preaching from God's Word, I went home and we lived it. You don't know how many times my dad would get up and he would go push the button on the television and turn it off. That's back in the days when you had to push the button on, on the television itself. Push the button. Um, you know, now we got the remotes and now 
Alexa, you can speak now. Hey, turn to channel 13. I, you know, um, you, these kids, you have to explain it to them. You know, you, when you went to pick up the telephone, you couldn't walk away because there's a cord attached to it. You know. Um, but what I heard preached in church, yes, it was my father, it was dad. But when we left church, we lived what he preached. He didn't preach one thing and then go home and neglect the television and whatever you kids want to watch. He didn't, i tell you what, the, the television and the internet, the computers and the games are poor babysitters. Mm-hmm. They're poor babysitters. Yeah. They don't, they're not intended to raise your children. I mean, parents are supposed to do that, amen? And so, why did I choose to stay and not stray? I had real life examples of what parents were supposed to be and what they should be in my mom and dad. We boys all had the same preaching. We all had the same teaching. We had parents that kept us in church. We had a good church. We went to school together. But yet, why was I one of the few that stayed in the faith? In 1 Timothy 2, I just read, or I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Nearly two-thirds of those young men that I grew up with put away faith. Everything that they had learned and taught, it stopped with them. And what I mean by that is they didn't pass it on. They didn't teach their children the importance of it. My parents raised me. I learned from them. I, I saw the devotion. I determined at a young age that what dad had was real. Can I share with you just real quickly? Uh, uh, Tommy, I don't know how far in my outline I'll even get, so I'm just going to preach until I start seeing you yawn uh, or snore. But in 1967, I wasn't born yet. It was another three years before I'd be born. My mom and dad had had a baby, my, my older sister. <laughs> and dad was about 22 years of age. He was not a Christian person. He was not raised in a Christian family. They would go to a charismatic church in town from time to time, and they had you know that little bit of grounding, if you'd call it that. But nothing about salvation. Dad was lost. Mom was lost. 1967, one evening after Dave's work, there was a knock on Dad's door. Dad opened the door. He wasn't in a good mood. He said he told he would tell you he, I was I was tired and I didn't want company. He knocked the, the door knocked and he opened the door. The Baptist preacher downtown, a little short guy named Levi Reynolds, was standing at the door. Just behind him was an, uh, a friend that Dad knew. Um, last name was Wells, I believe, and he stood about this tall. And you know, Dad looked at the preacher and was like, well, you're like kind of scrawny. But then he looked behind him and seen this big dude. That's the way you go soul winning, amen? <laughs> and so he said, Yo, you'll come right on in. Long story short, because I don't know all the details there, but that evening, Brother Levi Reynolds, pastor of the local Baptist church, led my daddy to the Lord. He got saved in 1967. In less than a year, he had surrendered to preach. In less than a year after that, Dad was pastoring a church, which was really soon. Even Dad would tell you that, but he was pastoring a church, a community church out in the sticks of Arkansas. He preached there for 
a few years. And then he took a, a church uh, in Lone Oak, Arkansas for a few years covering because they didn't have a pastor and that type of thing. And then in 1975, he went to Bradford, Arkansas, his hometown where he grew up, and he started Trinity Baptist Church. Trinity Baptist Church is where my mom got saved, my sister got saved, and I got saved. Trinity Baptist Church is where I went to uh, school, Trinity Christian School, all those years. Now, my sister, my brother, myself, we're saved. We all have children. Some of us have grown children. Um, and to my knowledge, all of my nephews and nieces, my brother, uh, children, and my, and my sisters, those that are of the age of accountability, are saved today. Hey, that's, that's a blessing. Because you see, it could have been just the opposite of that. But because of my daddy, and because of a preacher named Levi Reynolds. So you say, why did I choose to stay? I determined at a young age, because of the example of my mom and dad, that it was real. So parents, it's important that you don't just bring your kids to church. You live it. You show them that you go to church for a reason and that you read your Bible for a reason and that you're consistent about it. That's the, that's the, the key element, I believe, in my upbringing was it was consistent. It wasn't, well, we believe this for a while or no, now we're going to use this Bible for a while. We're going to, I'll go ahead and cut that point out. One of them is the, the Bible. Uh, so I'll hit that right now then I'll move on. But don't confuse your children with what Bible to use. Just use the right one, amen? And I think you folks know what that is. Uh, don't, don't use this version and you know, don't study out of this one and say, well, let's see what the NIV says. Or, well, let's see what the ESV says. Um, you need to research who, who uh, translated those anyway. It's pretty scary. Um, but anyway, hey, have a word of God. I preached uh, last week on, on the King James Bible. And that by, by rights, God had to provide us with this perfect word. Because, I mean, he gave us a lot of instructions. God has expectations of us to live by. He's not going to give us a, a skewed uh, piece of his word and say, oh, this is the best I can do. It's a yeah. tattered old road map. No, he's going to give us the road map. And I believe, I just simply believe it's the King James Bible. I'll move on now, amen? Yeah. Uh, you folks know that. You hear that all the time. But my dad was always a King James. And I mean... There was never anything else in our house. So one of the reasons I chose to stay was because there was consistency in the home. There was consistency. I consistently heard my daddy pray, and he prayed with us children. Uh, I heard, I seen my mom read her Bible daily and do her daily devotions. Every time the church doors were open, we were there. You said, well, you were a pastor's kid. You were supposed to be. Are there some rules for pastor's kids that don't apply to everybody else? I mean... The doors were open. We were there. Then I'll move on to the next one, though. <laughs> Why did I choose to stay? At some point in everybody's life, you young people, at one point you're going to be adults. And yet, at some point you may be tempted to leave. You may be tempted to walk away. You may have those thoughts of, is it really that important? There came a point in my life when I made that determination. And it was a time in my life when I was not overly spiritual. 
I was 25 years old. I met my wife, Monica. And she's not in here, so I can say what I want about her, right? (laughs) But in that same year, at 25 years old, it was 1995, I married my wife, Monica. That alone, because of how I was taught, that alone I knew was a responsibility. In that same year, we got pregnant with our first, Anthony. And immediately as we began to have children, I, I knew I have a grave responsibility. At that time, I had no idea we were going to have nine kids. But with every child that we've had, my, the roots of my faith just dig down a little bit deeper. I don't, they don't let up. I mean, the, the more children we have, the more responsibility I realize that I have. Because I don't want to lose any of my kids. I mean, I don't, eight out of nine is not good enough for me. It's not good enough for God either. I don't want to lose any of them. Four, our four boys, two of them are here tonight. They're grown. They think they are. <laughs> they, they have jobs. Uh, and, you know, they think about young adult stuff, you know, like boats and guns and, you know, uh, the, the latest uh, arrows to shoot through their boats. You know, they think about that type of stuff. I don't want to lose any of them. And so... And I'll say this, there's, they're outdoors to the core. They love anything outdoors. There's a whole lot worse stuff they can be into. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Uh, they keep themselves busy, but they're faithful to church. They're all still in church, I believe, because they, they've seen the consistency of their mom and dad. In our text in Second Timothy, it talks about Timothy and his grandmother and his mother. And now Paul says, I see that same thing in you. Hey, that's how it should work. I'll skip to my last point. Why did I choose to to stay and not stray? I realized that I had a goodly heritage. Psalm 16, verse 6 says, The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Heritage. That word heritage means inheritance or estate. Passed down, in other words. Turn, if you've still got your Bibles open, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. I briefly mentioned it already, but that inheritance, the estate, in other words, that you inherit. There came a point when I realized that the heritage that I was given was worth passing on. In 1 Peter Chapter 1, look down at verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercies hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen to this. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You know what I'm seeing here? The inheritance that the world looks to is a corruptible inheritance. I've seen families split down the middle because of stuff. And and for some reason, some parents are that way. They're like, "I I want to leave my children something. I do too. I'll be honest with you. 
What I leave my children, if, if I were gone tomorrow, they're not going to have a lot of tangible stuff. They're going to have a 2001 Ford F-150 that's got a, probably the seals are busted. It leaks oil. It, it, if it starts at all, amen. I mean, you can have guys. You can have it. It's yours. I mean, uh, you can have it right now. That's your inheritance. Take it. But the world looks at that stuff. I have a different idea of the inheritance that I want to leave my children. It's the inheritance that my daddy passed on to me. The heritage that he's given me in the Word of God, in the spiritual grounding, in the consistency that I saw in my mom and dad. I, I know not everybody's testimony is the same as mine. I know that I mean, my dad's is not the same as mine. My dad didn't have any of that. He had one preacher that cared enough to leave his home one evening and go knock on his door and share the gospel with him. That's why soul winning is so important. But I tell you what, in all honesty, I'm, I'm looking around, what, 30, 40 people. It's about what we run on a Sunday night, maybe about 50 on a Sunday morning. We're not packing our buildings out. I mean, me and Tommy, we had big plans. Tommy, when you build your mega church, I'll, I'll come visit you. You can come visit me at my mega church. We're not winning the multitudes right now. I keep praying. I'm, I'm praying that you know the, the pendulum will swing back, and I, and I think one day people are going to be receptive again. Sadly, I guess we haven't seen enough destruction, but I think they will. I think we will. And I think people will be receptive again one day. But I'll tell you this. Our churches, if we're not winning them, if we're not bringing them in, our only hope of tomorrow is to save our own children. I mean, that's our hope is to, to keep our own. And I look back home at Trinity and all those families that I grew up with. I'm like, where are they at? Sometimes Dad and I will have these conversations. I say, Dad, where's such and such family? Whatever happened to them? Well, the father ran off and some other lady or the such and such happened. And I'm like, the, the destruction in our Christian homes and our families. Our churches are going to be in trouble 20 years down the road if we don't keep these young ladies right here. These roughneck fellows back here. I mean, it's important that we set the example for them because that's, that's the heritage we're passing on to them. And yet, granted, we'll keep soul winning and we'll keep plucking some out of the burning. Amen? That's what we do. And we'll praise the Lord. I mean, there's rejoicing in heaven over one soul that's saved. But hey, my little boy Levi just the other night prayed and accepted Christ as his Savior. There was rejoicing in heaven too. There was rejoicing in my heart. You say, well, with child repentance, is that real? It sure sounded real to me when he prayed it. Amen? He accepted Jesus Christ as a Savior. We were losing, it seems like we're losing the battle in our churches. And I think it comes down to, we're just simply, many families are dropping the ball when it comes to rearing their children. Some people look at us, and Tommy, I know you and Cassandra. I, honestly, I don't know any of the rest of you. 
Brother Josh, I know Josh Yakko, um, but I don't know the rest of you. But I know Brother Tommy and Cassandra, I know how they raise their children. And I know people look at you funny. Well, they look at me funny because i got nine kids. Um, but they see, you know, we'll go out to Cracker Barrel or somewhere. Um, and our kids walk in, and we sit down, and we actually have a meal together. It's a rare occasion that I have to threaten any of them to make them behave. There was a day when I did. But the more kids we have, they learn from the older kids. And, you know, uh, you'll have one of the older kids say, Levi, you better behave. Dad's going to. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it kind of trickles down like that. But the world looks at us like we're nuts, like we're crazy. I uh, had a job opportunity. Uh, not long ago, and you know, one of the first questions was, "What days are you available?" Well, I told him what days. I'm, I'm a co-occupational. I pastor my uh, church, and I also work and support my family that way. Tommy did that for years as well. And immediately when they realized I wasn't available Sunday, they, they kind of looked at me like, "Well, you know, it's kind of a thing. It's uh, you know, we're seven day a week operation around the world." I said, "I know. I work on Sundays too." You know, I'm just not here and not with you. But, I mean, the world looks at you. you know, and then they, he heard I had how many kids? At the time it was eight. And they're like, oh, okay. And it, you, you go to church every Sunday morning. Yeah, and Sunday night. Oh, and by the way, Wednesday night, you know. And, uh, and all the activities and stuff. Yeah, you go to church. The, the world looks at that and they think we're crazy. And then when they really get to know us and they realize... We don't let our kids watch certain things on television, hardly anything nowadays, you know, and anything Disney, just forget it. I'm, I'm so sick and tired of that stuff. But anyway, sorry, I hope I didn't offend anybody. But I, uh, and they like, you, you don't let your kids, and we don't let our kids go home with people. You say, well, why not? I mean, don't they have a social life? Yeah, in church. I mean, that's why we come to church uh, and everything. But... Folks, I'm responsible for my children. And I tell you what, I've been surprised more than once about sin that's crept in. And I tell you what, I I just choose to be safe. Amen. Um, you know, I've had people say, hey, can your kids come over? No, it's fine. Don't, don't worry about it. And they look at you like, well, you think you're better than we are? You ever have that, Tommy? You think you, I've had family do that. What, you think your kids are better than my kids are? I'm like, no, it's not like that. It's I'm responsible for my kids, not you, you know. And so people look at us like we're crazy. I'm just preaching now, Tommy. They look at us like we're crazy. The thing is, my goal is that my children will grow up and be more spiritual than I am. I spoke with my dad not long ago about this. We grew up with standards. We have, we have a, when I grew up, you know, we couldn't watch certain things on television. TV wasn't as bad as it is now. And, and we knew what we could watch. And we were limited to one hour a day for the longest time, I remember, one hour a day. And that was me and my sister together, not her one hour and me one hour. She and I, it nearly came to blows more than once because she wanted to watch Little House on the Prairie. 
I wanted to watch the Hulk. But anyway, <laughs> she was older than me, so she, she won. But, and I told Dad this. I said, Dad, y'all had, y'all had rules and restrictions for us when we were children. And I said, in a very real sense, not that I'm a better parent than you, but I said, I have higher standards for my children than you had for me out of necessity. I mean, look at the dangers we have today. We didn't have internet in the 70s and even in the 80s. And the games that we played in the 80s was like Pac-Man. Some of you know, you've been there. I was a Pac-Man king. The games aren't like that anymore. And so we've had to raise the bar as parents. I think that's where a lot of parents have missed it. Is that we think, well, we get we got to play games when we were kids, so we want our kids to play games, but you need to realize that games are different. Television is different. The dangers are so much worse, and they're a lot harder to def- to defend your children from. I mean, it is. When you have every electronic device in your house is it connects somehow to the Internet, and you can access stuff that is... The blow your mind. Folks, that's why if, if we don't continue passing on a Christian heritage to our children, Christianity is going to suffer greatly. We've already seen it in our churches, in church attendance. And, and all those guys that I grew up with, look at them. I mean, they're not, they're not even serving the Lord. They had the same upbringing I had, same Bible preaching church, same Christian school. They memorized the same verses that I memorized. There's something there, though, that caused me to stay, that caused them not to stay. It's consistency. It's consistency of a godly mother and a godly father. I wouldn't trade anything for it. You young people, if you have parents that care about you, Make you stay in church. Make you read your Bible. Make you do your schoolwork. Hey, praise God for that. Because they love you. Amen. Let's stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. It's Tommy's coming. I'm going to turn it over to him for just a moment. In just a moment. In the form of an invitation, I know that most people here are probably saved. So I'm going to address you as Christian people. Not that you have to come to this altar or not that you have to make a public scene or anything, but as parents, sometimes, even myself, we have to recommit. Maybe you've let things get a little bit loose in the home. Sometimes you just need to buckle down and say, you know what, I just need need to get back down to being a parent and living for God like I'm supposed to or rearing my children the way I'm supposed to. Brother Tommy.